Welcome to Paid in Puke, the podcast where we discuss female-driven films through an inclusive feminist lens, with the help of the 1988 film, Heathers. Paid in Puke is hosted by Jessica Baxter, Amy Green, and Christina Barr. It's also a spoiler-filled free-for-all. You've been warned. On today's episode of Paid and Puke, we're examining the rich lair tome that is Todd Haynes' 2023 drama, May-December, starring Julianne Moore, Natalie Portman, and Charles Melton. It's such a pleasure to meet you. You are so sweet. We're so happy to have you. Thank you for doing this. It's so generous. Well, I want you to tell the story right, don't I? We're taller. You look taller on television, but we're basically the same size. We're basically the same. Feels like things just settled down and now y'all are making a movie. It's a very complex and human story. I think it's hard to trust that you're gonna represent Gracie as she was. I'm gonna try. Do you remember when you first met? You came to the pet store looking for a job. It was summer after sixth grade? Seventh. Why do you wanna play me? When they sent me the script, I thought, here is a woman with a lot more to her than I remember from the tabloids. What would make a 36-year-old woman have an affair with a seventh grader? People, they like see me as a victim. I wanted it. Why would you want to play someone who you think is a bad person? It's the moral gray areas that are interesting. Why can't we talk about it? If we're really as in love as we say we are. Insecure people are very dangerous, aren't they? I'm Jessica Baxter. I'm Amy Green. I'm Christina Barr. I'm going to do some trigger warnings. I usually include those in the show notes, but hey, let's just put them at the top of this episode as well because they're pretty heavy. Trigger warnings for child abuse, child rape, and childhood trauma. If you've seen the movie, you probably know that already, but you know, you can't do too many warnings in regards to those subjects. May-December is loosely based on Mary Kay Letourneau's 1997 statutory rape of 13-year-old Billy Falau and their subsequent coerced marriage and parenthood after she was released from jail. So in May-December, the proxies are Gracie and Joe, and it picks up as Gracie and Joe prepare to send their youngest children off to college and face a new chapter in their lives. And to further ignite the tension, a famous actor, Elizabeth Barry, played by Natalie Portman, arrives to shadow Gracie in preparation for an upcoming independent film about Gracie's crime. Elizabeth's presence forces everyone to face the reality of what happened. So, hey, where do we start with this, ladies? (laughs) Well, I have a quibble with loosely based. I feel it's pretty directly based on that. Sure. That's just what they're saying in the media. Is it because she works in a pet shop and she's not his teacher? It's pretty much the only difference. I mean, like, there's stuff that's, like, directly recreated, like the photo of her with the baby and the ankle. Yeah. I mean, I... 
if they're saying loosely based, I am um, Maybe it's just like Maybe a well. standard thing you say, like, like so you don't get in trouble. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. So closely based, but right. still, it's not like an exact recreation. I mean, it basically that is what it is. Right. <laughs> it's the Mary Kay Letourneau Billy Falau story, but you know, years later. I'm not sure. It, it must be like 20 years later. Do they? They might say in the script. Well, because yeah, they child have a child in college. in college, so the graduating class is class of 15. Yeah. So I guess it's like yeah. 18 years from 1997. Yeah, I don't know if the years are exact matches of the real life situation, but yeah, in real life it was 1997 when Mary Kay went to jail. And then they got married in 2005. So counting back from 2015, <laughs> however old Honor is in college, she's like sophomore in college, so she's like 19 or 20. Right. Anyway, yeah, so <laughs> decades. Well, don't they say Joe is 36? Oh, yeah. He's 13. So oh, yeah, there you go. So That's exact math then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> math is hard. Okay, thank you, Amy. I think that that's a good distinction to make. I was just cobbling together a copy from different places. I was madly doing research for this because it was... I have 12 pages of notes here. Oh, wow. (laughs) There's just so much in this movie. It's crazy. They shot the movie in 23 days, and to me that seems so short. They must have done a shit ton of pre-production to be able to get all of that in this movie. I thought it was interesting they said it in Savannah. It's sort of like this southern gothic feel and like in the background of the movie there are points where they're doing like a like a ghost tour at night and <laughs> yeah there's like some tour guy is mentioning general lee and like so it's obviously like some kind of civil war tour or something it's like this mm-hmm. town that is very stuck in the past almost in this like very creepy way it's also know. like monetizing tragedies of the past. Monetizing tragedies. And romanticizing yeah. them in a way. Like, I do, I definitely noticed the ghost where they're like, she hung from the tree for three right. days. And everyone's like, ugh. And that's horrifying. And maybe, yeah, the yeah. reason, like, so Mary Kay Letourneau, hometown villain of Seattle, but. We're not stuck in the past in Seattle. We're constantly tearing things down and building new shit. So I could see why they would want to move the story to a, mm-hmm. a place that's more steeped in problematic t- tradition and history. And then it really is just a very picturesque. I definitely noted all the scenery shots of like the, the droopy trees and the water. And I don't know if there's a real island off Savannah because they keep saying we're on this island. This island is small. Oh. I'm like, I don't know what island they're talking about. If there is a real island or if that's symbolic also <laughs> of an insular community mm. that's trying to not be affected by yeah. the well, judgments like of the outside world. Tybee Island. The whole community is like in denial almost. It's like they're buying her cakes or the friend is like they're a very beloved part of this community yeah they seem like protective sort of protective or like just not wanting to acknowledge how troubling the whole story was it really feels like things just settled down and now y'all are making a movie it's a very complex and, and human story the movie star coming to town like everybody even like the ex-husband he just seems excited to meet a movie star you know and mm-hmm. really downplays what happened and it's a regular drip i hope that's okay oh thank you i appreciate it so much i'm sure this isn't your favorite topic of conversation <laughs> you know actually i i, I don't mind i think sometimes 
talking can feel good. Although he's the only one who says it. Like, he's the only one who literally says, I don't know what the fuck a 36-year-old woman was doing with a 13-year-old. It was like, like, I didn't even know Gracie. Like, what would make a 36-year-old woman have an affair with a 7th grader? I think everyone else just kind of has euphemisms or like alludes to it, but he's the only one who comes out and says what happened. That's true. Yeah. Which I, mean, I found very striking. But he's just kind of like, I don't know. Or, you know, like, they seem happy. Or, or didn't he say something like, who am I to... Yeah, he does say something Something like that. like that. You know, they seem happy, so... What do I know? And a lot of the people are like, what do we know? Kind of that attitude and and even her attorney that they meet. He was obviously like a high-powered lawyer. He's like, I was never on the cover of New York Times for any of the people I defended. Yeah, like murderers. (laughs) For all the rapists, murderers, frauds, hitmen, never did I end up on the front page of the New York Times. But for Gracie, I ended up on the front page of the New York Times. Down and slow down. He acknowledges that there are so many, like, casualties of what happened, but it's just sort of like a I mean, I think thing. he acknowledges that she is a fucked up person, you yeah. know, where yeah. he's like, she doesn't think she did anything wrong. Like, she still doesn't think she did anything. Like, yeah. you know, and I think he's the one who said it's probably a personality disorder. I think um, that was her fiancé that she was talking on the phone with. Oh, was it? Yeah. It's strange. Even after everything she did... And how public it was. She doesn't seem to carry around any shame or guilt. Yeah, that's probably a personality disorder. All right, forget it. I'm not trying to be glib. It's in the TV movie you showed. What he says that's so striking is she's like, when did she come to terms with it? And he's oh, right, like, right. did she, yeah, has she come right, to terms yeah, yet? Yes. So she was in denial, you would say? Oh, absolutely. She didn't think she'd done anything wrong. She was head over heels, she was a good looking kid. But uh, she had no conception. I mean, prison? <laughs> she thought she could just uh, explain it all to the judge and that would be that. It was a little, uh, a little Romeo and Juliet, a little bit starry-eyed. When did it sink in? Has it sunk in yet? The attorney is probably like the least affected personally by any of it. But when you meet the kid Georgie, it's like... <laughs> I know. I mean... Favorite character, really... Georgie, for me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, He's like, it ruined my life. Oh, what are you then? I'm a phoenix rising from the ashes. I'm just a ghost. Because of what happened? Well, uh, it ruined my life, of course. I love yeah. that how honest he is, you know? Like, there's not that many people who just are so super honest about it and straightforward, and he's one of them. Yeah. And then her oldest child with Joe, Honor, is the other one who's like, this is fucked up. Mm-hmm. Everything yeah. that's happening right now is so fucked up. Why is no one saying it? Right. So when do you start shooting this movie? In about three weeks. Wish you weren't doing that. Honor. Uh-huh. I can understand that, of course. I hope in the end that you'll feel it had something to say and that we captured something true. True, like how it is an awkward of all the Anthony's graduation dinner right now. Joe, you, can you do something? Like what? Yeah, the personality disorder for sure, but she's just so awful. And like with Georgie, I mean, I noticed the first time when we saw it in the theater, it was just glaring like the arrested development of Joe. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But, like, I noticed it, like, with Georgie this time also. He was like, oh, it was my birthday. And yeah. that's when I found out. Do you remember the first time you found out? Yes. Yeah. Billy sat me down in my room and told me. And um, well, I just thought he was trying to make me upset. So I went and found my dad. And he said it was true. And he had slammed his fist down so hard in his desk that he had split his hand open bleeding everywhere and all this happened like right before my birthday so everyone forgot to cancel my party but only one guy showed up anyway and we just um hung out in my room and i ate so many warheads that i threw up and um we just watched tv until someone was almost up and i gave my hand job and they never spoke to me again <laughs> his development kind of froze in that point in time 100 percent, yeah and then everybody is talking about how how sensitive he is yes that comes up so many times george is very sensitive he always was very very sensitive yeah i'd hope things would work out better for him he was a very sweet boy very sensitive what have you heard i've heard you're really creative and sensitive and sweet well they would say that that's coded language for gay, I think. Oh, okay. Um, See, like I, like didn't, a... I don't feel like that's what it... I mean, I think he is, but, like, I thought it was a way of downplaying how bad it was. You know, where it's like, he's not sensitive. He's reacting to an insane trauma. He's having a reasonable <laughs> response to something, and it's like, he's so sensitive. Oh, he's yeah. just always been so sensitive. You know, I took that as a way of everybody downplays what happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and it's one like, of the only ones who refuses right, to do he that. He's not sensitive. He's having a like totally reasonable response to his mother being an awful person. I thought that was so poignant when he was like, "This happened right around my birthday." He's the same age as Joe. They said so. He was like, "What turning 13 And then it's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's always going to be associated with that for him. And then he's like, because of it, like they forgot to cancel my party. Yeah, I thought that was so meaningful. Yeah. yeah. Elizabeth asked everybody she interviews, like, when did you find out? And a lot of them are like, I don't really remember. And Georgie's the one who's like, I know exactly when it was. Like, yeah. it's a core fucking trauma for me. Well, the ex-husband's like, I found out when everyone found out. Like, Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like calling a boy sensitive, making such a point like that, that was just something like in the 80s. Parents would say, like in Stranger Things, they say that about Will Byer, like, he's sensitive. Mm-hmm. And like that is a coded thing. He's gay. That's a parent that doesn't want to acknowledge that about their child. You know, like when Elizabeth is saying like at the bar and he's like at the table, like, I've heard you're really sweet and sensitive. I felt like I saw his face fall a little bit there. Mm-hmm. I think Gracie is just everything is about appearance and it's kind of weird it's like 2015 in the movie so you would hope that the times would change or whatever Mm. but i felt like that was a very coded thing like she just doesn't acknowledge that part about her son right it doesn't exist that might be part of why i wanted to set it in the south that it's more acceptable that she groomed and married a 13 year old boy than for like someone to just be gay 
Yeah, like, the, the South has a proud like tradition of championing the wrong people right. and burying things that shouldn't be buried. I also thought there's a racial component to it. Her considering probably him more mm-hmm. mature or mm-hmm. like yeah, and I think that's how with the I real mean, a story lot of too. Do yeah. that with children of color. Like remember the insane things people would say about R. Kelly. It's all like these racist notions of like yeah, I think it's like children of color. You know yeah, absolutely. Has it just been L. A. Because the kids are cute, but not like sexy enough. You've seen him. I mean, he's got this like, quiet confidence, even as a kid, I'm sure. I think you need to come home. It's like when they invite Elizabeth over for dinner. How'd you meet Joe? And she's like, well, I remember knowing of his family. I mean, they were the only Korean family in the neighborhood at the half. time. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's yeah. just wanting to call out he's half Korean. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. it's very entrenched yeah. what's positive, what's negative, or, you know, like, I felt so bad for Joe. It's mm-hmm. yeah. like so many yeah. ways. Like, this is a tragedy about Joe, basically, and how, <laughs> like, he's still getting abused and manipulated all these years later. Mm-hmm. And then exploited all over again by Elizabeth. Right. Oh my god, I know. She's, She's it's awful. hard to say who is the bigger villain in a way in this particular. Obviously in the past, it's Gracie, but in the present, it's like everything awful. that she does is so Elizabeth is so insidious and calculated. Yeah, she's an awful person. I mean, like this movie's a tough hang for me. I feel like, yeah, it's like, it really is. I hate these two characters so much, you know. So many of my notes are I hate her. I hate yeah. her with music notes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really hate Elizabeth, I feel like is trying to seduce everybody, even yes. like, yeah. the teenagers. I feel like Georgie is the only one she doesn't act like that around, but like the scene where she's talking to the high schoolers, I feel like she's disgusting in that scene. It's like, so totally. appropriate. And the, t- the teacher is like, let's not do this. And Elizabeth's like, no, let's do it. Let's, right. It's fine. Have you acted in sex scenes? <laughs> you are staying late. Yes, I have. You don't have to answer no, that. No, it's fine. I have. And it's a strange part of acting. Like what? Hmm. Well, sometimes it's really mechanical, like a choreographed dance. You know, where the only thing you can focus on is where you're supposed to be and when. And then Sometimes there's there's real chemistry between two people and and you start feeling like it's real in a strange way you you never admit it to one another but you you're wearing practically nothing and you're rubbing up against each other and sweating for hours and you start losing the line of of like Am I pretending that I'm experiencing pleasure or am I am I pretending that I'm not experiencing pleasure? You give in to the rhythm, you know, every time. Tension never breaks. Kimmy, yeah. And at first I feel like Mary is kind of amused about it, but by the end of that class she's like fucking mortified. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. she realizes exactly what's oh, happening. Yeah, Those kids to... are so intuitive. <laughs> oh, she wants to get out of the car immediately. Like <laughs> after that. Because I guess Elizabeth drives her home. Yeah. I'm so sorry that I'm feeling well. 
it's such a like parallel to Gracie because they both blur these lines and cross these lines right. constantly. Yeah, I think she is like really an awful person and then especially awful to Joe. Like the two things for me that stuck out the most with her is when she's having that conversation with him where she's like, I just realized we're the same age and I'm like just thinking about having kids and your kids are graduating high school. Like, yeah. I feel like that is so sick the way she is talking to him. I just realized we're basically the same age. Yeah? Yeah, I'm 36. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Funny, I... I'm just now starting to think about having kids and you're almost sending yours off to college. Yeah. I can't imagine. I, I think it was almost, uh, I, I think I, I didn't know what a big deal it was in a way because, you know, um, but anyway. I can't imagine having grown kids. It's like, yeah, well, you weren't groomed and raped as a child, I guess. Right. You know, like, yeah. I feel like that's just sick how she's talking to him. Oh, that's so weird you got kids young. I'm just thinking about it now. Yeah, as if there was a decision he made. (laughs) Right. And then after everything happens and he's like, do you even like me? And she says, this is just what grown-ups do. I feel like that's so terrible. That was so gross. I thought you actually liked me and that we had a connection. I like you. Then what was this about? Just what do. <laughs> it's so terrible. And I really noticed that she was the one who moved in on him and kissed him. Like, it wasn't mm-hmm. mutual at all at first. Right. Like, she definitely had that whole plan. Like, she, mm-hmm. she finds out when she's baking with Gracie about his sister. His father was always working, so he was the man of the house. And he took care of his little sister pretty much on his own. One of them had terrible asthma. Up very quickly. Like, she definitely makes a note of that. Like, oh, he had an asthmatic sister who died. I can use that because she is. Like, she just, yeah. she was barely concealing her excitement about using that against him. And then she jumps on the opportunity. <laughs> My sister had really bad asthma. Did she? Yeah, she was always having to do that breathing machine thing. Yeah, nebulizer. I actually have one with me here, new one, and I can't figure out how to get the, um, you know, the mouthpiece thing to mm-hmm. s- snap on. It's so stupid. I really like to use it. <laughs> That's irritating. You just sort of have to get the top and. Could you? Do you, Do you have a second? I think she uses her inhaler in the car on purpose to get him to notice. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, I almost feel like she sits next to Georgie because he's smoking. And she does say, like, blow the smoke in the other direction, but it's like she's kind of trying to get an excuse to use her inhaler. And maybe she doesn't think about, like, seducing him at the time. She just wants to, like, get, you know. I think but- she has always wanted to. I think it's her, like, method acting, getting mm-hmm. to the character. I think that's one of her goals from the beginning is to have sex with him to experience, you know. Mm-hmm. I feel like she's just so full of shit. Like Gracie, when she asks about her relationship with Georgie and she's like, well, how's that relevant? This movie takes place right now. <laughs> and she know. does this whole like, oh, the seeds are inside. And it's mm-hmm. like, you're just being nosy. What's your relationship like with him and, and your other kids? How is that relevant? Um, 
It's my understanding that the movie takes place between 1992 and 1994. Am I wrong? So why would you need to know anything that happened after that? Well, um, there are things that exist inside people that don't necessarily come to head until later. And uh, I try and look for the seeds of those things. She has so many little catchphrases that she uses about like understanding the nuances of character. You know, she has all these things that she clearly worked out ahead of time to use whenever people ask like, why are you making this fucked up movie? Mm -hmm. She's like, well, these are all the bullshit creative reasons I came up with. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And like the moral complexity, like, fuck you. It's, it's the complexity. It's the, it's the moral gray areas that are interesting, right? Right. Yeah. It's not morally complex. No, like. it's very fucking simple. Right. That's the most simple thing about it. What's complex yeah. is the way that Joe has and hasn't dealt with it over the years. That's mm -hmm. what's so complex. The scene where she goes to visit him at his work and he's yes. like a radiology tech. She's mm -hmm. like looking at an x-ray of a boy who hurt himself skateboarding. And then she's like, are there any pictures? And, like, it's a total fucking HIPAA violation right. that shows yeah. her, but I guess movie stars have that, uh... That scene, it was very, it was very striking to me on second watch as well. He's got the x-ray, and he says it was a 13-year-old boy, and she goes... So small. Yeah. Hmm. Like and she's she really, puts her hand up. Yeah, to like show the size difference, and then she says... I already have an idea of what it must have felt like. What? What felt like? I was sneaking around with you. Oh, God. Right. And then she's like, I shouldn't have said that. You won't tell anyone, will you? No worries. Just, like, to ask him to keep a secret. Right. As right. if that weren't, like, the most traumatizing thing that's ever happened to him. Right. It's so gross. And then the whole thing about she's trying to understand Gracie's motivations and how Gracie keeps insisting that she's naive and she doesn't understand it and actually what i decided by the end of this last rewatch was it's not that she's in denial it's that she's also playing this character and she's so method about this character of like an innocent person who just fell in love and we love who we love and that whole narrative that she created for herself even though she probably has realized or she probably knew at the time and she just portrays herself as the victim or as a victim in this yeah. star-crossed love story. Like, actually, her lawyer even says, like, she thought it was Romeo and Juliet. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if she really did. I think she, I feel I, like she did. I don't yeah. think she ever thought she did anything wrong. Like, mm -hmm. real Mary Kay and also this character, I feel like. Okay, there was something she said where I was like, okay, she definitely knows that she's pretending. Well, she definitely says, like, I am naive. Mm -hmm. I think that's helped me mm -hmm. in my life. Yes, it's something. been a gift. Right. Yeah. Right, yeah. My brother Mark, he still lives in Richmond. He always says, keep your expectations low and you'll never be disappointed. And I always forget that. How many brothers do you have? Four. Two older, two younger. But I think you know that. So. What were your expectations? Uh, that tonight would go well. That my children would love me. And my life would be perfect. I'm a little naive. I am naive. I feel like that level of self-awareness of like, it's been a gift to be able to like pretend I'm naive and fall back on that and not have to like own up to anything I've done. That, that was one of the moments for sure. 
like the perfection that felt very familiar to yeah. me. There's a part where she wants her son to drink milk. Mm-hmm. He's got a severe calcium deficiency, don't you? Charlie, eat. I'm really not hungry. I had a late lunch. You're your little gushy treats? How old do you think I am? I want you to look strong when you go to college. You need your nutrients. They're gonna think that you skipped a grade or something. Can I be excused? Boys are hard. <laughs> I did notice that thing at the dinner too, how she was saying like he doesn't look like enough of a man. And I also felt like that was really interesting in relation to, I need people to think that this boy is a man. Right. Like, why? Yeah. <laughs> why do you need that? She's like, I think my childhood was exceptional. I made friends wherever I went. I was very close to my brothers. Mm. I think my childhood was exceptional. Yes, okay. Every time she tells a story from her childhood, and it's kind of fucked up, but she does it in a way that it's like, oh, I was so lucky. Grace yawns all the time. My daddy taught me. I started going with him and my brothers when I was really young, like four or five. My father used to say, you're even... You're either leaving this house in a veil or in a box. No. <laughs> Isn't that funny? This is my brother Bill's favorite cake. He was always so protective of me growing up, even though he was younger. Whenever boys would get near me, he'd throw them up against the locker and say, what are your intentions? What were their intentions? She's like, my dad used to say, you're either leaving or yes. you're in a veil. That was the other box. Yeah. And it's like this hilarious. She's like, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. It's so funny. This is what my worth is to the men in my family. Like, they were just cool. so protective. I felt so loved. That's oh. also just the narrative of, like, boys are the pursuers, you know? That yeah. It's like, you, will, you have to protect girls from boys. It's nice. So she didn't do anything wrong. She, you know... Like, I feel mm -hmm. like in her mind, that's not even a thing. Like, a woman can abuse a man? Like, what are you even talking about? Right. That's another thing, too. Like, women were not seen as predators or having the capability to be predators. I was, like, 18 when this story broke. The media was just like, what a weird story. Yeah. You know? I mean, I was living here. and You had to, like, argue to, like... <laughs> get someone to admit this was like wrong, you know? Mm -hmm. It was just like, oh, what 13 year old boy doesn't want to like fuck their hot teacher? <laughs> or like this idea like you can't rape a boy like very literally right. physically, like you can't give someone an erection. It's like such. Yeah, like yeah. A, an erection doesn't mean consent. <laughs> like, right. Especially with like a consent, child. <laughs> right, consent is not a concept yeah. for a 13 year old boy and an adult, you know? Yeah. That's why we draw that hard line, you know? Okay. And she, that's in her like fucking letter that Elizabeth does as a monologue. Like who draws these lines? When this first started, I didn't know what to think. I knew that we had crossed a line and I felt in my heart that we would cross it again. But now I think I've lost track of where the line is. Who even draws these lines? Like the right. law and like, like there are a lot of bullshit laws, but this is not one of them. It's a very important hard line between child and adult and it's there because it's been abused so much and usually it is in relation to women, but I mean even right. in the 90s, earlier in the 90s when the Pope, you know, all the Catholic molestation scandals came out, that was like so many young boys who were abused. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And that was before that this was when really that came out. And people were like, oh, that's pretty bad. Like, why is this? <laughs> how is this different? It isn't. It's someone who had power who coerced a child into sexual acts. Right. It's an adult and a child. It's yeah. like not justifiable. They did have a book that came out. Mm-hmm. It was something like Ugh. Love Has No Age or something oh, like God. that. Oh, yeah. God. It was something oh. like that. Yeah. Age ain't nothing but a number. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. I know, like, people are saying the movie's camp or whatever, but I think there are moments of levity and, mm-hmm. like, the, I don't think there are enough hot dogs moments. It was just sort of like a, it's okay to laugh, you know, like mm-hmm. this movie, it's so heavy, but. I think it is kind of camp, but like the way yeah. it's like sort of like melodrama more than just drama. Oh, yeah, you know? the music like, is so I learned dramatic. a really good I word when I was trying to figure out why people kept calling it camp. It's arch. Oh, arch is that? like more commonly known in Britain because they do it more there. But it is an American used term as well. And I, I think I saw Todd Haynes say it somewhere too. And what it means is. Making a joke about something that's fucked up, but it's not the same as camp, which is when the situation is ridiculous, but everyone's playing it seriously. Like, the situation is not ridiculous. The situation is terrible. So it's kind of like the reverse. Yeah. And I think that you can definitely argue that it is arch, because there Mm -hmm. are moments that are, especially the hot dog moment. I mean, that's like the, that's the biggest and best example of it. But when you really, like, break down that moment, there's nothing funny about it. Yeah. I mean, it's such a tremendous opening to everything that's going on in there. Like how Joe walks in and she's like monitoring how much beer he's drinking, even though she's also making him basically do all the work at this party. And she's like controlling everything in this situation because of appearances. Like she says many times throughout, it needs to look beautiful or it needs to look nice. And anytime she describes a woman's value, it's beautiful. Like her toast at dinner to her children is. I'm so glad that Honor was able to finish her finals in time to come home to watch our beautiful Mary and our gentle Charlie walk across that stage tomorrow. Those are like the most important values for her, for men and women respectively. Mm-hmm. Everything needs to be pleasant. Yeah. <laughs> like actually these kids are way more than that. Yeah, I mean, it's very clear from the jump that Gracie is is the boss. <laughs> and <laughs> right. like, kind of sucks all the air out of the room. Just hyper controlling. Like her best friend was explaining why she loves, or she's an empty nest. Mm-hmm. Just like, I can always call up Gracie and say, what are we doing today? And there's always an answer, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And like, she just runs everything and then like joe i mean i guess he has his job but he's also kind of in a weird way like playing house or something like he's watching these bob vila shows because he's he thinks that's what he's supposed to be doing working on the house and making it nice and the way he dresses the khaki baggy khakis with the new balance or whatever and like a man 20 years older than he is the part where elizabeth is talking to him in the driveway i really noticed like how he's got his hands in his pockets and he's kind of like moving his hands around in his pockets because that's what children do he doesn't know how to stand or be his physicality i read an interview with charles melton where he was talking about how that was one of the first things he did to prepare was just to think of all the ways in which someone whose growth was stunted at 13 would be as an adult the childlike mannerisms that they would never lose because Mm -hmm. of it 
Right. The fact that it's a pet store, like, that just seems like something, like, if a kid wants to get a job, like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I work at a pet store, you know? Right. Like, like what bad could befall me at a little pet right. store job? It's sad when he goes and visits his dad, because it seems like Gracie doesn't really acknowledge him as a part of the family. Yeah, there's How's a huge rift there. Graduation? Yeah. Gracie wanted to know how you plan on getting to the graduation. I'll drive myself. It's close. And like, why his does she even care? Stolen from him, basically. <laughs> yeah. And, and he says that he and his parents never even talked about it. Yeah. He knows there's something he's supposed to be reflecting on because he does say, I never was able to look back on it with my parents because my mom is the only one who would have had anything to say about it and she's dead. What did your parents say? We never really talked about it. My dad was always so focused on his work. My mom passed away when I was 20, so we never got to really look back on it. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's... It's hard to imagine what that conversation would have been, honestly. When he sits there with his dad, it's like they have no real relationship. Well, they have nothing to talk about. He still comes and takes care of his dad. He brings him groceries. Also, it's so striking that they live in this nice house and his dad lives in this sad apartment. Yeah, it seems Mm -hmm. like he's totally separate from the family. Because probably that's how Gracie wants it. And maybe that's because looking at his dad is too much of a... An, an indictment on what she did like mm-hmm. the dad's never going to pretend that it's a love story right so she needs to get rid of all the people who won't pretend with her like everyone in her life is willing to pretend it was really sad in that scene where he's talking about like how he can't believe the kids are graduating and his dad is like you'll have time to do other things i can't believe the kids are gonna be at college in the fall an empty nest You'll have more time to focus on other things. Okay. You see him in the movie, he's like always the caretaker. For yes. Kids. It's like all he does is take it's care all he knows of the how house to do. and manage Gracie's moods. And you see like the text conversation he has with that butterfly. Yeah. <laughs> the butterfly caregiving was so symbolic too. And like, Absolutely. Look for the eggs. Take them inside them so they have a chance to grow we've had an actual impact uh, the numbers are way up and I'm a part of this uh, Facebook group anyway I know it sounds really dorky not at all like he's having like a honest maybe connection like a real peer or romantic maybe connection with this other person but he tells elizabeth that he has crushes i'm sure that he's alluding to that a little bit and maybe other relationships like that relationships that he's able to have because i'm sure in real life relationships are all managed by gracie but like the one thing he can do that she isn't monitoring is his facebook butterfly group mm-hmm. And then even then, he has one hobby that's his own, and she's so dismissive of it. And she's like, get your butterflies out of the living room like he's a child. Your bugs. Your bugs. Yeah, she doesn't even call them butterflies. What are you going to do with your bugs? I'll figure it out. Okay, just not in the bedroom again, okay? They're not just any bugs. They're these beautiful, endangered creatures, and it's wonderful that he has that hobby. Right, and I'm sure it's, like, symbolic, too, because, you know, if you fuck with a butterfly while it's still in the cocoon, it doesn't become what it's supposed to be, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, 
I mean, it's obviously, it's a huge metaphor for the movie because it starts <laughs> with the butterflies and that music. Oh, and the, so the thing I want to say about the music and all the zooms and stuff, I feel like that is a commentary on the type of movie that Elizabeth will be making. It's like, this isn't that kind of movie, but this is the kind of movie that is yeah. usually made about it. Yeah. I mean, there's a blurry line there, though. You know, like, that's my hot prob with this movie. Shut up. Hot probs is on. Oh, shit, yeah. I know it is trying to point out how exploitive the media is, but it also is doing that itself. Like, do you think Billy wanted them to make this movie? Like, I doubt it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. You know, like, it's not not that. You know, it's Mm -hmm. kind of meta. Like, she thinks she's making something. Oh, not like that cheesy TV movie. It's sort Mm -hmm. of like the movie's like, oh, I'm not doing this like what this predatory Hollywood person does. And it's like, how are you not doing that? Mm -hmm. Like, Yeah, I liked that it was showing how exploitative Hollywood is for the real story. And he's like, this is my life. I'm not Mm -hmm. a story. This is my life. You're going to do what you're going to do, but... (laughs) Stories like these stories. Stories. You know what I mean. Instances. This is severely traumatic beginnings. This this is a story. This is my fucking life. You don't need to get so worked up about it. But this movie is also doing like this isn't loosely based on Mary Kay and Billy. This is very clearly mm-hmm. like a depiction, you know. And I saw it too, and I looked too, you know, like mm-hmm. what happened to Billy? What is he doing? You know, mm-hmm. People Magazine. What happened to Billy? What's Billy doing now? And it's like, do you think he wants this attention? No, I don't think so. Do you think mm-hmm. that they, he consulted on this movie? From a January fourth, twenty twenty four interview in Hollywood Reporter, Billy Falau said of May December. I'm still alive and well. If they had reached out to me, we could have worked together on a masterpiece. Instead, they chose to rip off my story. I'm offended by the entire project and the lack of respect given to me, who lived through a real story and is still living it. Like, I know he's showing that, you know, like when the girl's like, so you're making a movie? I wish you wouldn't. But you're also still doing it. It's sort of like, Mm -hmm. I know that this is exploitive. I just really also want to tell this story, you know? Yeah. And everybody's convinced that they're doing it in the right way. Maybe not the TV movie people, but... (laughs) (laughs) You know, I mean, I get it. It's just like layers. You know, I feel like part of why they show the ghost tour is like, when is it okay? I mean, I feel like it's saying a lot about true crime. People like have fucked up (laughs) the true crime brain has become, you know, like like ghost stories, that's true crime. Is that more okay because everyone's been dead like 200 years? I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's saying all that, like it's aware of that, but it also is that thing too. Yeah, you're right. Elizabeth's talking about how, and even though everything she says is bullshit, like I can also see how Todd Haynes or Sammy Birch, writer Sammy Birch would say, we just want to find the truth in it. When they sent me the script, I just thought, now here is a woman with a lot more to her than I remember from the tabloids and our uh, cultural memory. Earlier she says it's a very complex and human story. Mm -hmm. And she says something about the moral gray area. Oh yeah. Fuck you. But yeah, to sum it up, it's like, yes, what we're doing is more meaningful and more empathetic. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you're right. It probably doesn't feel that way to Billy. Yeah, there's so much therapy speak about empathy and (laughs) complexity and it. It's very transparent what they're doing. You can just see like how what happened affected every person in the movie negatively and nobody has like really fully processed. 
I definitely it's, get the sense that a lot of the people around them are, maybe not a lot of them, but a couple of people are kind of secretly excited for Joe in this empty nest thing because they think maybe he'll finally escape. Yes, because yeah. like it's very clear that he just put his head down, you know, mm-hmm. when he had kids and was like, this is my purpose now. Because, like, it would have been too hard at the time to come to terms with that and say, well, now I have children involved in this and it's not the right time to bring it up, like, wait for them to be gone. And that is a mistake that a lot of people make about leaving bad relationships. Is like, I need to get to this point or I need to wait to this point so I don't hurt other people. But the damage you do to yourself is long-lasting and indelible. Yeah, and for Gracie, anything that, you know, upsets her world in the most minor way is is, is a convenient <laughs> excuse to push confronting anything real off. She's like, yeah. it's graduation. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Anytime like, anybody yeah, she, starts to examine what happened for real, she brings up some other thing. She changes she, the subject. Yeah, and the meltdown with the cake order was <laughs> just terrible. so beyond. Joyce and Mercer called and canceled her order and all future orders. And I told her that I'd already made it, and she said that she would pay for it, but that she didn't need it. They were leaving town. Where are they going? Her sister is sick or something. It doesn't matter. I wasted hours that I could have used. You couldn't have known, Gracie. I hate things like that. And now I have this cake that's going to go right in the garbage. You won't have to throw it in the garbage. <laughs> Oh, her sister's sick or something. (laughs) And then how terrible that's happened to you. Yeah. And then she's like, I wasted all these hours. (laughs) And then she cuts a slice for Joe and he's like, mmm. So good. And she stands there. Yeah, she's like, like, we're gonna have to throw in the garbage. And he's like, no, we don't. Yeah, he has to do emotional labor. Yes, that's true. No one's helping him through his emotions. He just has to bury them and not face them. Yeah. The scene that was really hard for me to watch was on the roof with his son. (laughs) I feel like that is such a hanging out on the roof is such a kid thing to do. Yeah, and he's there first. Like, he's out there kind of thinking about, we don't know what he's thinking about, but the scene opens with him lying on the roof looking at the clouds. And then his son comes out and he's like... So, uh, are you going to be out here a while? Or... Should I not be? Uh, I was just going to... Oh. You should... Yeah, you should go back. Mm-hmm. You sure? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want? I've never, I've never done that. That, that, That's crazy. (laughs) He's never done this like normal kid thing. So he does it for the first time with his son. And then by the end of the scene, his son is taking care of him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I felt like he kind of considers his dad like his buddy. Actually, it's his dad. (laughs) The kids probably don't see him as like a parental authority figure or something. I don't know. Well, yeah, they definitely don't think they're going to get in trouble like, for anything with him. Yeah, I mean, they know the whole story of their parents. Yeah. And, like, how could you not? It just seems like their view of their dad as being, like, this older, 
wiser I don't know. He's so vulnerable, and it, yeah. it seems like the kids try to take care of him emotionally or something. Definitely. The graduation part, he's not even sitting in the stands. It's like he has to, like, walk the perimeter mm-hmm. while his kids cross the stage because he's, like, losing it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. It's so heartbreaking. Yeah, he's, yeah. I mean, they're, they're more butterflies that he's sending off into the world. Mm-hmm. And something that he hasn't gotten to do yet. He hasn't gotten to fly away. Right. That's what I think it is yeah. a lot, too, that they got to have, like, a comparatively normal <laughs> yeah. job. Right. They made yeah. it through high school without being groomed or yeah. married or becoming a parent. And I also got the sense that he was just so relieved that they got to escape. Because mm-hmm. there's just so much of that, like, undercurrent of all the kids. Like, yes, we all get right. to go away and never see this person again. I mean, maybe not never, but the freedom. Are you nervous? About what? College. Leaving home. Can't wait to leave home. It's good. Yeah, I think that's good. I I can definitely relate to that of just counting down the days until you can get out of this oppressive family situation mm-hmm. and actually start your life. And I do feel like the ending of his face, at least, means that he is going to do that like so much has been awakened in him mm-hmm. that he will maybe it won't happen right away but i think something really he says like when they're having the bedroom conversation where he's like i've just been thinking about some things and she's like don't fucking do that right. <laughs> i think there are a lot of things that we haven't talked about in a long time maybe ever what kind of things things about a relationship Definitely don't do that. I was too young to be making those choices. Well, definitely all that stuff. What if I wasn't ready to be making those kinds of decisions? Then what? Because the kids. What would that mean? I don't understand what you're saying. I'm saying, what if I was too young? something about like i need you to listen to me or take care of me or hear me in this situation if we're really as in love as we say we are if we have that where shouldn't i be able to talk about this with you if we're really as in love as we say we are Gracie, we, you know no, what i mean no I'm begging if you, we're please. No, no if I, we're really you, if we're please. really as in love as please. we say we are and we i i i, I, I need I, you to help if, me please if we're really as in love as we say i it's graduation. Basically, it's like, I need something from you. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, right. can't do that. It's graduation. And it's because if she does go down that road, he might awaken to some ideas that she doesn't want him to have. And she can tell that he already is. What if I was too young? Wow. You seduced me. But I was 13 years old. Don't give me that. But I was. I don't care how old you were. Who was in charge? What? She just, like, gloms on to the one thing about, like, if we're in love as we say we are. Mm -hmm. Because he's like, he says that, he's like, if we are as in love as we say we are, we should be able to have these discussions, which is totally fucking true. Mm -hmm. But it's like, that's not what happened. You know, it wasn't that you were in love. But also, it's like a very common tactic of abusive people because he says that, you know, he's bringing something of himself to her. Like, I am feeling this bad way about something and I want to talk about it. And then what they end up talking about is how that makes her feel. It's like, if we're really in love and then now, like, that's hurtful for her and now we're on her and now we're never going to get on his thing. Yeah. 
That's interesting too because in like normal unhappy marriages, it's like a very common time for people to split up is when their youngest graduates. You know, it's like, okay, we made it, you know, out. Yep. (laughs) My parents told me at my college graduation that they were getting a divorce. That's a core memory for me. (laughs) Another thing with that scene too, she's like, come sit by me. I don't see what difference it makes. It's how I'm feeling. Come and sit by me. Okay? Come on, baby. What's making you feel bad? There are just these moments where it's like a mother-son creepy moments. Like, even when he's talking to Elizabeth in the driveway, like, he sees the lights go on and he's like, I gotta go, you know, like, my mom's following me or something, you know? I feel like the come sit by me thing was like she was noticing that he was (laughs) going down a road she didn't want to go down. And so she was like, you have to come closer to me so I can use all my tactics that I used in the past like she's very much relied on touch and sexual manipulation yeah. and even if it wasn't sexual in that situation just the proximity is something that allows her to have more control over him oh another like fucked up child parent weird <laughs> situation was when he gets into bed and he still smells smoky she says you smell smoky yeah well it's stinking up the sheets do you want me to shower what I want is for you to have showered before you get in. There's like no winning in that situation, right? right. She's like, I want you to have done to something have, right. that you didn't do and right. it's too late. Yeah. You oh. can't make me happy. She's like, I wanted you to have showered before you got into bed. And it's like, okay, well, I didn't though. He, right. he asked her like, should I go shower now? And he could have done that. And so then instead he grabs like a water glass from the side of the bed and starts like splashing his armpits, <laughs> which is like, something a kid would do. I feel like that's a very childlike yeah. problem solving. And she starts crying. Yeah. Smoky. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she she wants the whole world to be, you know. Oh, she fucking says that in the bathroom scene when they're right. putting on the makeup. I want life to be perfect. She's- what were your expectations? <laughs> that tonight would go well, that my children would love me, and my life would be perfect. Why the right. fuck did you expect well, that? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. And the way that she acts like, thank god I'm here. Or, you know, like she just has that <laughs> attitude of so put upon. Yeah. Murder. She's a murder. She's, She's a good. murder. Yeah. yeah. She's the victim. Well, I guess we've kind of strayed from the format because there's just so much to talk about. Yeah. But does anyone have any other hot probs? I kind of thought the cake making scene, I was like, there's barely anything in that pan. And like, <laughs> you can see their hands just going like this and spreading it around. I was like, there's nothing in there. <laughs> <laughs> They're not really making cake. <laughs> you couldn't suspend your disbelief during the cake scene. I couldn't. Uh-huh. <laughs> She's like, you know, you put the cherries on, like this. It, do, it, it really, really does, does matter. matter. Yeah. <laughs> now, you are going to put the cherries at the bottom of the pan and do it nicely, because it really does matter how it looks. It really does matter. Yeah, I feel like I already said mine. Yeah, it's a really good one. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very hot one. I would call that the hottest of the hottest of props. <laughs> I thought of another hot prob. 
I've not done any reading or anything about it, but with the camp thing, that scene at the dress shop, it feels like the two women are like challenging each other in some mm-hmm. way. Or, and you can see Elizabeth like look in the mirror at herself. <laughs> There's just this sort of competition with the two leads. Mm-hmm. I feel like there are some moments where they're trying to one up each other, like with the flower thing. And it's like, well, when are you getting married or whatever? Well, that is so pretty. Oh. Thank you, yeah. Nice. You set a date? No, we've we've been so busy. We'll figure it out down the line when it feels right. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the people who say the movie is camp are saying about it, but there is like a two female lead rivalry mm-hmm. thing going on. And there are some moments that that's like desperate housewives kind of shit that they're saying yeah. to each other and could be entertained by that potentially but i Uh don't really like that i don't really think that's what the movie is supposed to be but maybe people would think moments like that are i feel i don't see it as competing with each other but elizabeth is always studying her and trying to mimic her but the end Mm -hmm. when they're looking at each other they're so much more similar i feel like the mirror thing is her watching gracie and trying to get her mannerisms down and that's yeah how i saw that but also the whole camp thing, it's like, well, they submitted in the comedy category at the Golden Globes. Yeah. Like, that doesn't really help their case. I know. That is like, like, they're the ones that choose what category to yeah, submit? You yeah, choose what category you Describe it as in. a dark comedy. Wow. And I feel like they just do that because it's an easier competition usually for comedies than dramas, yeah. you know? Which is like, like that's, that's a common kind of thing over dishonest. the yeah. <laughs> Right. So that's all my, you're not helping yeah. <laughs> by right. submitting so your true. movie as a comedy. Yeah. I think you're right, Amy, about the constant studying and mimicking and it all coalesces in the scene where she's doing the monologue. Like, I really noticed this last watch that she doesn't look at the paper ever. She's memorized mm-hmm. the whole letter. Yeah. In not a very long amount of time. And she's got, like, all these mannerisms. And then when she finishes, she kind of, like, falls and stretches. And she's, like, done. Like, oh, I'm done. I'm out of my character. Ah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of gross how she's talking to her husband about she doesn't seem to have any guilt. Like, isn't that radical? Right. Or, and it's, it's like, like no. no. Right. Oh, she should. that was something her best friend said. The two things she admired. One was she always has a plan. And the other was... She's so unapologetic. Right. <laughs> it's like, how she, is that a good she, right. train of yeah, friends? Right. <laughs> but isn't it kind of radical? I mean, clean slate every day. No doubts, no regrets. Like, she has all this justification of what they're trying to do, and really, it's like she just thinks it's going to be a very juicy role for her, you know? Yeah, but like... Like Hedda Gobbler. <laughs> yes, right? Why would you want to play someone who you think is a bad person? Are you kidding? I mean, pick any great role. Medea or Hedda Gobbler or, uh... Tony Soprano. Precisely. To make those comparisons, <laughs> God. Yeah, I think that was the point of showing her on set in a sort of love scene at the end. After she's talked about preparing for it and how it's like this dance or whatever. Right, and she's yeah. doing all this stuff. And it is just like a trashy movie at the end. Yeah. Right, In her yeah. scene. And they do a take that is exactly what you would expect. And then she's like, no, I want to go again because it's getting oh, real. yeah, that was so gross. Right. She won't bite. How do you know? Snake. Beautiful. I, I think we got. Them. Wait. We got can them. we? Can we do it again, please? Please, just for me. Lizzie. Please. Wait, it's getting more real. 
going again. So she's deluded too about what kind of movie she's making. Like trying to say like, this is a complicated woman. Well, I think you're right that that's what she believes or wants to believe about it, but that's not what's really happening. Right. <laughs> like, I love when people drop in, like, titles that she was in, and you're like, you really get a sense of what kind of... Yeah, and then when she shows up at the Airbnb, there's, like, the note is, like, I loved you on Animal Hospital, and you're like, what kind of show was that, you know? Probably not prestige television. <laughs> I've seen your TV show. Oh, God. Very intense. I've been very lucky to have it, but I kind of wish no one ever watched it. Yeah, I um, saw one where you had to operate on an elephant. Oh, God. Now I'm really embarrassed. Now I'm going to have to jump off the roof with those boys. <laughs> but she wants that prestige. She's like, I want to get out of these two-dimensional roles into the juicy stuff and she thinks that this is going to be the bridge for her when she's probably actually not capable of that kind of performance or even understanding of the human condition. But she thinks she is. She thinks she's this important method actor who has to, Mm -hmm. like, (laughs) actually mimic fucking a teenager in a doorway to, like, get into character. (laughs) I have to be in the space to really understand what happened. Like, do you? You have to be there. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I remember in the theater watching that, I'm like, something mm-hmm. is wrong with this lady. Yeah. <laughs> right, and that's something you can laugh at when you examine it. Like, that's a perfect example of an arch moment. You laugh at it when you watch it, but when you take it apart, you're like, ugh, well, yeah. There were some moments, like the hot dog thing, like that was one thing where I felt like, oh, it's okay, I can laugh at this. Everything else was like so uncomfortable. But watching it again, I definitely felt like, oh, that's a funny moment. But watching it for the first time, I didn't know. I was just taking everything in. I don't think we have enough hot dogs. It's so early in the movie, the average person doesn't notice the camera or what's happening with the camera. And it's something that really draws attention to the camera for everyone. Like, everyone's going to see that fast zoom and be like, what? What's happening? (laughs) (laughs) I love the music, though. It really adds to it. that was also a commentary about what kind of movie that Gracie thinks her life is. She thinks this kind of trashy drama is her story, but she doesn't see it as trashy. She sees it as romantic and complicated, even though it's not. Mm-hmm. That's what I felt like they were getting at with this score a little bit. I'm sure there's other things yeah. to it, too. But she definitely feels like she is the star of this star-crossed romance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I do like how she's like, it's a box of S-H-I-T. Right, yeah. <laughs> but then when she's talking to her about it, and she's like, have you ever thought of moving? And she's like, why should we be the ones to leave? What did I do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about the box, the package. What about it? I mean, is that a routine occurrence? <laughs> I mean, it's a lot less than it used to be. Mm. Did you ever consider leaving town? Why should we be the ones to leave? No, our whole family's here. My dad and Gracie's kids. Mm. Next call. Well, I mean, I guess we can we can do meaningful passages, even though we've kind of talked about a lot of meaningful passages. I've already started underlining meaningful passages in her copy of Mopey Dick, if you know what I mean. Anything we haven't specifically called out yet. Um, I mean, I think you tried going through life without a scale. Oh, <laughs> yes. Honor, when we get home, I'll show you what your dad and I got your sister for graduation. Is it a scale? Excuse me? When I graduated, you got me a scale. 
that was just part of setting you up at your new place. You know perfectly well that wasn't your graduation present. It came wrapped in a bow. Um, Honor, I got you that scale, as I told you at the time, as a tradition, because that's what my mother got me when I graduated from high school. And you tried going through life without a scale and see how that goes. That was like one of the few universally relatable moments. That and the dress shopping. Dress shop. Go ahead. Oh, that's so <laughs> sad. It's like when she comes out in the second dress, she loves me. She like kind of struts out and she's so she's into swishing it. around. I love and, it. Oh. So cute. Oh, it's lovely. I love it. I love fabric. it. I love how it flows. And then. Oh, Mary. I want to commend you for being so brave and showing your arms like that. That's something I always wished I could do when I was your age. Just not care about these unrealistic beauty standards. You're different than me. You're a modern woman. I'm gonna go try on some of the other dresses. I, I really like this one. Um, I just think it's too similar to the one Molly has. Okay, whatever you want. I really admire how brave you are to show your arms. Like, fuck you. Uh, Don't yeah, admire that. She's like, I could never do that. <laughs> I know. Also, fuck like, you. when someone who's, like, conventionally beautiful mm -hmm. is, like, it's so hard to adhere to the standards, it's like, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Are you having a hard time with that? <laughs> and I love that Honor brought up the scale. Of the yeah. And yeah. then she at first is like, that wasn't the graduation gift. And she's like, it had a bow on it. Right. And then later she's like, it's a family tradition. You try going through life without a scale yeah that's so meaningful it's a family tradition it is it is a fucked up family tradition for a lot of people to like pass down body image issues from mother to daughter like i love how honor is sort of like obviously we didn't see her before but like i think about this a lot because of my own kids in london too but you know you go to college and then you meet people from all over and that's like a thing you start telling about like what's your family like you mm -hmm. siblings step parents whatever you know you grow up in a family like something is normalized that's not normal you know so i feel like honor is in that like where she went off to college and then really realized like how fucked up her childhood was mm -hmm. like she's coming back to me, like, calling out her awful mother yeah. yeah she's going through specific moments yeah it's the first time you have like the real separation mm -hmm. from your parents yeah. house and just being out of everything you've always known mm -hmm. is so mm -hmm. <laughs> so critical and in a way, that's like the way to make sense of your life is turn into a story. So it's kind of interesting. He's right. Joe's right. Like, this isn't a story. It's my life. But also, like, the way humans make sense of their lives and specifically trauma is what's the story? What are the mm -hmm. things that we need to learn from this and take from this? And he's never done that. He's, ne yeah. he's never been able to reflect on his story and what it means in relation to where he is now and what he's capable of doing in the future. And you're yeah. right, I think Amy, the honor was like, okay, now I'm laying out my story. <laughs> And she's able to come back and you can tell that she and Mary specifically, they talk a lot mm -hmm. and they have these like shorthands and I'm sure she was able to help her younger siblings kind of realize some things before they left, which is good. She was able to pass down some actual like coping mechanisms mm -hmm. and maybe even hope like just hang in there and when you graduate, like graduation is just such a freedom for some people. Yeah. <laughs> high school yeah. graduation. It's not just like I'm not in high school anymore. It's like I'm finally free right. and able to make my own decisions. There's almost no decisions you're able to make for yourself until you graduate or leave home. I was really moved and also related to Joe's line about I can't tell if we're connecting or if I'm creating a bad memory for you in right. real time. Yeah. <laughs> 
bad things they happen and we do bad things also we have to think about those things we try not to think about it there's this do you know what I mean? yeah I know that Telephone connecting if I'm creating a bad memory for you in real time, but I can't help it. Oh, no, we're connecting, Dad. It's okay. Sometimes it can be a little of both, I yeah. think. Yeah. <laughs> it was relatable. But then Charlie's like, oh, it's okay, don't worry, it's okay, we are connecting. He's like, mm. rushes to assure him that it's fine. I know, like, he says, don't worry about me, Dad, and he says, that's all I do. You know, <laughs> I know. Just, like, so don't worry about me. <laughs> That's all I do. He probably does worry about his son the most. Right. One of my meaningful passages from Georgie. Look me in the eye and tell me how selfish I am. And I'll tell you if it's a match. Tell me how yes. selfish I am and I'll tell you if it's a match. Oh my god. I loved him. Yeah. I love Georgie. <laughs> his band is so funny too. I love how he's like, you can't fucking sing this song. Sorry, this is the slowest version of this song. Jesus Christ, can we play this any slower? I just want to apologize for this being the slowest version of the song you ever heard. It's the drummer's fault. What the hell, man? Yeah, fuck you, bro. Have you met Georgie yet? Johnny, you can't fucking sing this? Oh my god, I gotta go. I love after the cake baking. I wanted to show you this, and it was like a card with a peace sign yeah. on it. And you know, it's, it's a very it's childlike like thing. And she, she's period. like, Peace is sitting on a lake in the summertime. Peace is a Coca Cola on a hot summer day. Peace is being with you. The assignment was, what is peace? The assignment was, what is peace? I know. <laughs> really? Right. Peace is this, peace is that. Yeah. The assignment was, what is peace? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and it's like, to keep that as a love letter, when it looks like a child's right. art project, it literally because that says is what it Joe, is. Fourth period. Fourth period, yeah. Like, In, like, child handwriting. Right. Ugh. And my favorite is, I'm very secure. <laughs> Insecure people are very dangerous, aren't they? I'm secure. Make sure you put that in there. Make yeah, sure, make sure, you, sure put you put that, that in, there. in there. Like, <laughs> Yeah, secure people talk about how secure they are. Yeah, that's definitely a thing. <laughs> <laughs> and want to police how <laughs> their narrative is told okay. by other people. I laughed when Elizabeth's giving the answer in the acting class. It goes from, like, very tragic to one little moment of levity again, where Mary asks, why would you want to play someone you think is a bad person? Such a poignant question from the daughter of a bad person. And then someone shouts, Tony Soprano! <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. Yeah, and that's what she's like. It's the moral gray areas that are interesting. <laughs> like, how right. is it gray? Right, it's not gray at all. I thought it was very significant when Elizabeth asked Gracie what her mother was like, and the only thing she says is, She was beautiful. Okay. <laughs> I love the makeup scene. They're talking about their mothers. My mother wrote a pretty respected book on a epistemic relativism. Oh, right, yeah. And she's like, My mother wrote a great recipe for blueberry cobbler. Yeah, like, what an achievement. <laughs> and did she write that recipe or did she get it somewhere? Like, who yeah. writes a recipe? It doesn't happen very often. They're just so similar. But we're basically the same size. Basically the same. 
And then the, the conversation with the director, how she's like trying to finagle more of the budget to be used on right. her time to stay there. I thought there was some kind of allusion to she had an affair with the, the I director. think so, yeah. I feel like I'm getting really close to something true. Something honest. Okay, I'll get it Friday. Thank you. But that's it, I'm serious. Oh, oh, he's serious. As your wife. <sighs> what? Your drink. Is she home? No, but you had no idea. She got out on a television series back in the room, so she won't be on set. <laughs> so Elizabeth seems like somebody who frequently gets her way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Gets what she wants. Definitely. That's one thing she has in common with Gracie is that she's not used to hearing no. Right. There is no such thing as a no. There's only like, I need to work on this more. Right. <laughs> oh, and also in the baking scene, that's when Gracie's like, he was more experienced than me. Yeah, right. And was just like, when he was in seventh grade? Right. He was 13. He's been with more women than I have. Women. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. And then she says, I was very sheltered. Right. He was the man of the house, she says. He so grew up quickly. Yeah. Is there a reason why he grew up quickly? Right. <laughs> what else does a suicide need, huh? Now, if you'll excuse me. What did you think about the abuse of her brothers? You wanna know my theory? Childhood trauma. Which one? The big one. Her older brothers. Started when she was 12. Just don't mention it to her, obviously. She doesn't talk about it. I read it in her diary because it was like way before. That's... Explains a lot. I didn't think that was true. Like, I could see, like, it maybe being true, but she's in such denial about her childhood being perfect that that couldn't have happened, or... Yeah, you don't know either way. But, yeah, you don't know. But... but it makes sense to me that Georgie would be like, I need to know why this happened. So he decides based on all her stories. So he's like, okay, that must be what happened. Yeah, I felt like it was more something to justify for him that he still has... Because I believe her when she says, Georgie and I still talk every day. I hope you didn't think that disgusting brother thing was real. I don't know what he's doing telling you these things. He told you? I talk to Georgie every day. He has to do something in his head to justify having a relationship with someone who did something so bad, you know. And like that what he ruined s- his life, what he says. Right. And then what he says is he read it in her diary. You know? Oh, yeah. That's right, and he says it was from before. Her diary from before. He said, like, she won't ever tell anyone. But I mean, like, I understand it's supposed to be ambiguous. You mm-hmm. know, my feeling was I didn't believe that that really happened. Mm. I don't know. I didn't read too much about the Letourneau case. I thought there was something about her being abused as a child. Okay. I don't know for sure. Yeah, I didn't look. The only thing I looked at was the video you sent of the Australian interview. Oh, wasn't that so Ugh. disturbing? <laughs> person. Yeah. And they used that in the very yeah. end of the movie. Yes, it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's definitely parts I mean, that are verbatim. I mean, she's like, it doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. He's like, he was 13, doesn't matter. Who was the boss? Well, I knew it was what I knew back then. But who was the boss? He was 13, Mary. But who was the boss? This is getting weird. Who was the boss? Who? I'm pursuing the relationship. Who is the boss? Well, I was the pursuer. Yes. Mary, even as you're hearing this now, come on, he was 13. It doesn't matter. It absolutely matters. 
Oh, well, flaw me. Yeah, the interviewers. It's like, literally the point, actually. I mean, that was like yeah. from 2018. I mean, another thing that is really gross is a lot of their income is from doing these speaking yeah. interviews and things like that. And she was like, the insider did this wedding thing that helped with the house a lot and like they're never moving on from it because like it's part of their livelihood in some ways yeah i mean she's dead now but like yeah yeah for good. sure <laughs> totally she for sure dead she is for sure dead but it's but they like... i remember they used to do those like events like the hot for teacher dj night right what? i remember that too. oh god yeah, it was in clubs there's like oh yeah yeah. I don't know why, how I missed that. I remember yes. that. He was a DJ. Yeah. I did notice that that interview was in 2018 and they got a divorce a year later. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope that that was part of a journey for him. Right. I mean, he is sitting there like, yeah, the hell, right? <laughs> yeah, he says, this right. is getting weird. And I remember they did another interview around that time. I want to say maybe with Barbara Walters or some like big high profile interview. And they asked him basically like, are you happy? Something. And he was just sort of like, what else could I do? Like, I just have been sort of stuck in this, you know, like I had two children before I finished high school. What else was I going to do? Yeah. That whole second conversation with Georgie is so powerful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, have you cracked the case yet? Have you figured out what happened? And he presents the thing as my theory. You don't want to know my theory. Mm-hmm. And he also says, has she broken your spirit yet? Which is like, <laughs> right. so telling. That's why he has a relationship with her is because his spirit is broken. Right. It's so sad that it's just like the wash, rinse, repeat. Like, my family is like entertainment to people. <laughs> you know, he's just so mm-hmm. cynical about the whole process. And he thinks, well, maybe I can get a job out of this one. You know? Yeah. <laughs> right. I read about this job of um, music supervisor. Yeah. I could do this job. They got songs for movies. I'd pick great songs. <laughs> so what if in exchange for my memories, my consultation, my willingness not to go to the press when the movie comes out and talk disparagingly about it and you and her, you give me this position of music supervisor on this movie. Um, why not? Like That is pretty funny. It's like, I heard there's a music supervisor job. <laughs> That's pretty endearing. Yeah. All he knows is you make money off of exploiting your tragedy. That's what he's been taught. And, you know, he was also stuck at 13. And yeah, like you were saying. And then, gosh, I wonder if that's like related to the DJ thing. Billy being a DJ. Maybe. It's like that's that's like a child's idea of a job. (laughs) (laughs) Even though there are successful adult DJs. Some level of notoriety that will draw people. Some people. Yeah. And you got to make money. Support your family. You know? Yeah. literally true. Did we do all the segments except the quiz? Let's see. (laughs) Oh, I did want to say something that made me cry in my research this morning. Uh, Charles Milton said in an interview, he said that he was able to understand Joe because when he was 11, his dad was in the military. He was deployed to the Middle East. And before he left, he told Charles, you have to take care of your younger sisters and your mom. And he says, as a kid, if you're given a size 10 shoe, you're just like, okay, I'll wear it, even if it's too big. Aww. Parentification of the child. Right. And that's so true. Like, if you are given an adult responsibility as a child, you're like, okay, I guess I have to do this, even if it's going to be really bad for you in the long run. Like, to tell a child, I'm leaving, I won't be around, you have to take care of the family, and you're 11 years old. Right. 
why would you say that to a child? (laughs) Like, the mom was still there. She's a parent. I mean, even if that's not what ended up happening, it's such a crazy thing to give a child. It's too much to put on a kid. It really is. Although I guess, you know, if someone who thinks that going to fight wars in the Middle East is a good idea, I can see that their judgment isn't the greatest. I also thought it was really interesting that Gracie's a hunter. Yeah. Oh, predator. Yeah. A predator. literally a predator. And like, that she justifies things like, I can murder quail, but I'm not going to kill a fox. Probably because the fox is beautiful. I don't know. Like, she like kind of makes eye contact with this fox when she's hunting. I really do think that there's something wrong with people who like have regular lives but still go hunting in this day and age. Like, what are you doing that for? You have to like killing things, right? It's You're not doing weird, it to yeah. get food for your family. You can <laughs> right. go to the grocery store it's, for that. It's considered sport. Yeah. I know that's a controversial opinion, but I really do believe that if your idea of enjoyment is murdering things, just like the idea of, I like to actually be the one to take the life of this animal is so telling about your morals. I wouldn't say that's a moral issue, you know, because if you're willing to eat it as long as someone else killed it. Like, I mean, I, I see what you're saying. Like, I'm not drawn to someone who feels like this is a fun thing to do, you know, but for me, I wouldn't say that's an issue of morality. Like, why is it different to be like, oh, I'm willing to eat meat as long as someone else did that part? I just don't see it as a moral issue, but I am absolutely not drawn to someone who's like, let's for fun go hunting, you know? It's also like a certain level of control. She's killing. She chose that. That's her day. You know, yeah, like, she set her she's, sights on a specific in her thing. Specific control down to going into her body. Yeah, and she's so proud of it, and she wants praise for it. She wants compliments on the quail that she shot and prepared for dinner. That's extremely important to her. That's a big part of it. Like, she's not just doing it to feed her family. There's, like, so many ulterior motives going on. Yeah. Mmm. This is delicious. It's an Atherton youth specialty. Mmm. Is this quail? Quail. I brought them home myself. You shot? And, um... Fried the quail yourself? Mm-hmm. Gracie hunts all the time. Whereas Joe is like nurturing the tiniest, most helpless creatures. <laughs> yeah. The difference between trash. them. Yeah. I was really marveling at Natalie Portman's psychotic actor tendencies and like her yeah. her levels of fakeness, like the yeah. delivery She's when so in the She's restaurant so when one of the daughters is like that means the world. I'm a really big fan of Nora's arc. Oh thank you. That means the world. That means the world. Like, this, that phrasing, that means the world. Like, okay. ugh. That's, like, her line that she says yeah. that, like, people love to hear it works for her, but she doesn't even think about it anymore. She just says that shit. And how she's, like, always right. so sucking up to Gracie a lot of the time. Like, she, when she shows up for the baking, she, like, gives her a hug, mm-hmm. and Gracie's yeah, arms like, are at her side. She doesn't hug back. Like, such a weird yeah. thing to do. And I know when she first meets her, she says, it's such a pleasure to meet you. Like, why would you say that to this person? <laughs> it's such a pleasure to meet you. You are so sweet. We're so happy to have you. Welcome. Thank you. Except that it is a pleasure for her because she's like, I'm going to really relish doing this. Right. Yeah, she's there to, like, devour everything. Yeah. <laughs> I did see someone compare her to a vampire. I think it was Todd Haynes was like, she's a vampire. Oh, she is? Yeah. She's totally a vampire. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the other interesting thing about the dress scene was Elizabeth is like, isn't this going to be under a robe? And she's like, yes, this is for under a robe. Like all of this fuss about something that isn't going to be seen most of the time. Right. But also like, yeah, let your kid wear the dress they want to wear, for God's Mm -hmm. sake. 
And then immediately when Honor sees it, she's like, Mom picked that out, didn't she? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Look at you. Mom's gonna hate it. No, she's gonna love it. Oh, she's gonna love this. Did she pick this one? Yeah, she did. Look at it. Yeah, it is. Like, I still don't like dressing up. I've always just been a t-shirt and jeans person, and I just remember, like, I did not even want to shop for any dress for my graduation, and I ended up wearing a dress from Talbot's. <laughs> floral dress from Talbot's and I remember this kid's mom at graduation we were wearing the same dress oh, yeah, God. Nice. <laughs> like, awesome. yeah, that's how much I didn't really care I don't know it was just a weird Talbot's was such a dress shop like in the mm. south you know? well yeah and also it's like you're right it is a shop for adults and to think yeah, that it's like, like an older my teenager story, is gonna yeah. want to wear these clothes well, I also did all of her shopping I was always going to Talbot's to get clothes <laughs> Talbot's this is classic anyways yeah <laughs> so this is what's called a lunchtime poll Okay, we chose a fun lunchtime pool because, yeah. for obvious reasons. <laughs> Let's talk about something fun. The lunchtime pool today is inspired by the hot dogs. I don't think we have enough hot dogs. What is something you always worry about when you throw a party? <laughs> oh, definitely for me is the beverages. I'm always like, we don't have enough. I admittedly, I'm a big soda drinker. Mm. And like, if I have less than a fridge pack of Diet Coke in my house, like an alarm goes off. <laughs> I'm running out. So I'm just like, yeah, I'm always about the beverages. Like, oh my God, there's not enough Diet Coke. Dude, what can I say? I love Diet Coke. I don't drink enough water. <laughs> Nobody does. <laughs> Mine is, it was fun to have to narrow it down because I'm just <laughs> naturally an anxious person. And even though I love parties and having parties, like I always worry before the party. And my biggest worry, I think, is just that I'm not going to be ready. Like I always write out a list of when things need to be done. And especially if I have to cook a bunch of appetizers, I write down like the temperature that they need to be at and how long mm -hmm. they take and count back from that when I need to start cooking. And, and even then I'm always like, ah, I'm not ready. And I'm like upstairs doing my hair and running back down to the oven and all this stuff and I was just like I don't have enough time and when really like I know it doesn't matter like my friends are going to show up and have a good time and they're not going to be like where are these appetizers I want the <laughs> appetizers now <laughs> but I don't know it's just, I can't help it <laughs> yeah. well mine is I don't really worry that much I'm more aware I might under prepare because a very long time ago I was having a party and I was a little nervous and my friend Amy Wald told me that it's the guest's job to have a good time like you provide the venue and the entertainment but like beyond that you don't have to worry yourself about it. I mean I don't know how much I really feel that way like you want to check in make sure people are having a good time but like I live so close to QFC there's like a pantry so it's like oh we don't have enough of stuff I've definitely oh, done that yes. send someone down the block to get ice or something like that but you know I try like make sure it's clean make sure it's a setup you know make food and all that but it's like this is just your friends coming over you know so if I'm like in the kitchen when they get there like big deal you know mm -hmm. they can help or they can yeah. watch or whatever so I almost feel like I can go too far in that direction of like <laughs> not preparing because <laughs> I didn't worry about it enough you know? <laughs> I think what your friend said is really important too because it is kind of what you make it like when you come to a party right right there definitely are obligations as a host but after a certain point it's like okay you've given them this and 
Yeah. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> so I'm Brandon. <laughs> I am jealous yeah. you're so close to QFC. That it's is really awesome. Not, I mean, that would be such a lifestyle change if it closed down or if I moved. Yeah. Especially, like, Matt loves it. He likes to just, like, at 5 o'clock, be like, what do you want for dinner? I'll go get stuff. But he really likes living that way. Seems great. great. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I think of it as like the pantry, basically, you know. Yeah, like, that's awesome. Yeah, it's really nice. Yeah. <laughs> the only time it would be a problem is if, say, the sidewalks were covered in a sheet, oh my God. A sheet of yes. ice. <laughs> if there's an ice storm, that is a little bit tricky. Oh my, oh my God. God, that is horrible. I was just thinking about it because it's Christmas. Oh this happened God. last year. We had this crazy ice storm, and literally the sidewalks were covered in sheets of ice. And you couldn't walk on them very well. Like, you were was... sliding around. <laughs> it wasn't even just that you couldn't drive anywhere. It was Actually, I could drive because of my all-wheel drive, but then the sidewalks were the problem. Yeah, it was terrible. <sighs> I hope that doesn't happen again. <laughs> yeah. That was not cool. How very. It's definitely in my top five of movies from this year. Oh, wow. I love Todd Haynes' movies. Yeah. We're certainly one of my favorites. Everything he does works for me yeah. pretty well. Me too. I did like this quote from Charles Melton again. He's a great interview. That guy. <laughs> he's so thoughtful and he's got a lot to say. But I liked his description of this movie because people keep asking him, what are we supposed to take away from this movie? And he says, Todd presents this table of all these different foods and you're the audience member and he's not telling you what to eat. You can pick and choose what you want to eat. That's yeah. nice. I do appreciate that one. It's just like, make of it what you will and not yeah. like, yeah, this <laughs> let's is have someone look into <laughs> the camera and say these are the themes of this right. <laughs> If you enjoyed this episode of Paid in Puke, please take a minute to give us five stars on your preferred podcast app. If you did not enjoy it, no further action is necessary. Paid in Puke is hosted by Jessica Baxter, Amy Green, and Christina Barr. Follow us on Twitter at Paid in Puke Pod, on Blue Sky at Paid in Puke Pod, on Instagram at Paid in Puke Seattle, and on Facebook at Paid in Puke Podcast. Paid in Puke is produced and edited by Divine Betty Media. Music by Silent Partner and Jessica Baxter. Thanks for listening. You're beautiful. Lick it up, baby. Lick it up.